Good evening, and welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. It is my privilege to be your announcer for our Wednesday evening Lent service. The Reverend Jake Sletton will deliver today this evening's message. Tonight's broadcast is being sponsored by funds donated to the broadcast ministry of Trinity Lutheran Church and dedicated to the glory of God. Well, good evening, everybody. Good to see y'all. Uh, today, I'm sorry, uh, tonight, we are continuing on through our Lent midweek series on walking by faith. This is Lent number two, and so uh, we are excited about being here and learning more about what it means to walk by faith and what that looks like uh, and what the Word of God has to tell us about that. Special thanks to Vera for coming out of retirement to light the candles for us. Thank you, Vera. How was it? Good? Is that right? Is it exhilarating? Yeah. A little bit? Good. Okay. Brings back memories. Good. Okay. Uh, I do not have any other pre-service announcements, so let's go ahead and begin with our opening hymn. The opening hymn, oh wait, I, I do have one more. Uh, we are going to be continuing doing the service of prayer and preaching. It's page 260 in your hymnal, so you, you want to put one, one of the ribbons there so that you have it handy. Uh, page 260 in your hymnal. <clears throat> And the first hymn is, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. That is number 437. So put a ribbon on page 260 and then flip over to hymn number 437, Alas, and did my Savior bleed. Number 437.
Please rise. We're back on page 260 with the opening versicles. <clears throat> this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful. Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and repents of evil. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, take up his cross and follow me. Christ was wounded for our transgressions. He was buried for our iniquities. For the rising of the sun to its setting. The name of the Lord is to be praised. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Please be seated. Much men's glee. 
Our reading from Scripture this evening is taken from Psalm number 22. It is verses 1 through 11. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? So far from the words of my groanings? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, and I'm not silent. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted, and you delivered them. They cried to you, and were saved. In you they trusted, and were not disappointed. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. This is the word of our Lord. We continue with the second Lent Responsory. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He was delivered to death. He was delivered from the sins of the people. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He was delivered up to death. He was delivered for the sins of the people. And for our catechesis teaching tonight, we will pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this evening from God our Father, through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We will pray with me, please. Dear Lord, the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How did many of you feel about or react to the presidential election that was just a few months ago? Now, I don't need to know who you voted for. I'm just asking about what your reactions were. In the days that followed the election, I read accounts on the internet and viewed accounts on the news of people who were ecstatic, as if Donald Trump's victory meant that all that was going on was going to be all right now. There were also accounts of many, many people who became despondent, stricken with grief, thoughts about moving out of the country, or just became scared and frightened. 
Now, I ask this question because upon reflecting upon these various reactions, I couldn't help but wonder this. Have we turned politics and elections into a matter of ultimate concern? What I mean is, do we think that our well-being, our happiness, our feelings depend that much upon who becomes president? And if that is the case, aren't we in the end going to be disappointed? At the very least, what these reactions illustrate for me is something that goes to the very heart of what is very basic about being a human. Namely, that we are, by definition, dependent beings. We are not autonomous, we are not self-sustaining and self-determining persons. Now this runs completely counter to a good part of our, of our American identity in many of our politics as well. Historically, what we have valued most as Americans is being free, independent, and self-sufficient. The last thing many of us want is to accept charity or to be a burden upon others, especially upon our children. But the reality of the situation is that we need people. We need the earth, we need the sun, we need food. We are unable to live by ourselves or from our own resources. And we cannot live without looking to someone for our future well-being, for our security, and for our identity. So why is this? Why is it that we need to rely on other people, whether those people are parents, family, friends, or the community that we live in? Why do we need to depend upon other people for guidance or for help? These questions hint at something that goes to the very core of what it means to be a human. They go to the very question of who and what we are. We can begin then by noting what we are not. First and most importantly, I know that this may come as a shock to some, but we are not God. Now, this may seem to be obvious to us, but what it does mean to say is that, or, or sorry, what does it mean to say that we are not God? Does it mean that we are not all-powerful and all-knowing? Well, yes, that's what it means. But there's more. Above all else, it means that we are not the Creator. Instead, we are the Creator's creatures. To be sure, we are human creatures made in the image of God, but we are still His creatures. It is at this very point that we go to the very heart of a biblical view of the world. A worldview is a way by which we make sense of the world that we live in and organize our lives within that world. It brings about an essential relationship between God and us, and between us and the world. But before I get to that, let me illustrate it with a little exercise. Consider these eight things. God, frogs, angels, rocks, humans, heaven, earth, soul. Now, if I told you to take these eight things and then organize them into two different categories, how would you do it? I suspect that most people would put God, angels, heaven, and souls into one circle or one group, and they would put frogs, rocks, humans, and earth into another group. But what has just become the organizing principle? Why did we do it this way? 
The categories are spiritual and material. And most people would then say that the spiritual are more important than the physical. My soul is more important than my body. That seems to make sense. Unfortunately, this way of organizing the world has shaped a large part of Western civilization. I suspect that other religions, such as Hinduism and Buddhism, share a similar distinction between what is immaterial and material. By, putting the, by then putting the immaterial or the material into different groups. Indeed, for some, the, the material world is the problem and the cause of suffering. But the Bible works in a very different way. The way in which the Bible would organize those eight things goes as follows. Into one group, you put God. In the second group, goes everything else. What I mean to say is, is that we have more in common with angels and frogs than we have in common with God. What do I have in common with angels and frogs? Well, we were all created. We are all creatures of God. There was a time that we did not exist. In this view, my soul is not more important than my body. Both were created by God. Both are redeemed by Christ. And I exist as body and soul together. In other words, the way in which the scriptures organize and make sense of the world is to make a distinction, a separation between the creator and his creatures. So in this relationship, God creates, we are created. God gives life to us, we receive life from God. Another way of saying this is that we as creatures are, by definition, dependent. We are dependent upon God creating us. We are dependent upon God giving us life. We are dependent upon God sustaining our life and this world in which we live. All of this is but another way of saying that we cannot live without faith. We have to look somewhere for life and all that supports our lives or makes our lives meaningful and worthwhile. And this applies to everyone, whether you are an atheist or a believer, a non-Christian or a Christian. We were all made by God. We are all God's creatures, albeit rebellious ones. And so we all need to look somewhere for life. To put it another way, no one can live without a God. Everyone has a God. Because everyone has to look somewhere for the source of life, purpose, meaning, and security. Luther once defined it, a God is someone or something to whom we look for all good things. A God is someone or something from which we expect nothing but good things. Now, our gods may be of two sorts. In the first sort, we may look outside of ourselves and seek our well-being in the quest for money, fame, or family. Even in his day, Luther complained that money was the most common idol on earth. And I would suspect that that remains true in our day today. But I think that another one in our day is politics and science. We see in science the solution to nearly all of our problems today. 
Science holds out the hope of extending our lives, perhaps even indefinitely. And second, we put our faith in ourselves. And this has been the human problem from the beginning of time. I suspect that one could describe the entire history of humankind as essentially the history of human beings who did not want to live as creatures who were dependent upon their Creator. From the beginning, we wanted to become like God and be in control and in charge, dependent upon no one but ourselves. So we see books today with titles such as The God Species or The World in Human Hands. So our situation is this. It is not a question of whether or not you will have a God. It is a question of what is your God. The question is not will you have faith, but is your faith in the one true God or not? If we put our faith in creatures or in anything that is part of creation, we will always be disappointed. Because creatures cannot bear the burden of their faith. And sooner or later, they always disappoint. Stock markets go down as well as up. Spouses can abandon us as well as stay faithful to us. Children can reject their parents as well as love their parents. Coming back to our last example of, I'm sorry, coming back to our example of last year's election. A very strong case could be made that two of the greatest idolatries in our culture today are politics and science. But when we expect all good things from anything other than the Creator, when we engage in idolatry, idolatry confuses them, thinking that creation or the, or the creature is, in fact, the Creator. But the first commandment makes it very clear that we are to distinguish the creature from creation. But the story of Jesus that we follow during this Lent season offers something remarkable and unexpected. And so consider this. At the very moment when his human creatures wanted to become like God and escape this creation or take charge of creation, and this in some way or another, by the way, applies to every major religion of the world, the Son of God, now think about this, the Son of God, through whom all things were made according to Scripture, became a creature. He became a human creature with a creaturely body in order to restore us to being human creatures again. And he does even more. He restores us to be human creatures who are now adopted as children of God. Human creatures who can run to their creator, not as a frightful stranger, but as a beloved father. And so this gift is given to us and received by faith. After all, what else is faith than to be restored to that creature, to that creator-creature relationship in which God gives and we receive? A relationship in which we rest in the inexhaustible love of God. And so then, in our Lenten walk, we then encounter a Creator who has not given up on His creation. 
but instead has come to restore it, has come to restore us as his creatures. When we say that we are saved by faith alone, what else does that mean than that we trust God and that we have confidence that he will keep us close to himself, both now and in eternity? What else does this mean than that we rest upon him whose love is boundless and whose life is inexhaustible? By the way, the very life that he now gives to us. With his continual giving, that love is now received by us and flows out to those around us again. And so it is good to be a creature. It is good to need God. It is good to rest in his hands. Because as we said last week, those hands still bear the scars of the nails. In our Savior's name, Amen. <clears throat> we now sing our next hymn, Glory Be to Jesus. It's number 433. Glory Be to Jesus, number 433. And so at this time, we will now gather our tithes and offerings. The Lutheran Hour is our church's witness in the public marketplace. To learn more about the inspirational Lutheran Hour ministry, visit www.l.com. 
lutheranhour.org. Listen to the Lutheran Hour program each Sunday on station near you. Trinity offers children's Sunday school and adult Bible studies at 845 on Sunday mornings, a men's Bible study on Wednesday morning, and several lady Bible studies throughout the week. Call the church office at 417-235-7300 for more information. We will now rejoin the congregation for prayer. Please rise for prayer. We continue with the prayer that is found in the service of prayer in preaching. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the gift of divine peace and of pardon, with all of our heart and with all of our mind, let us pray to the Lord. For the Holy Christian Church, here and scattered throughout the world, and for the proclamation of the gospel and the calling of all to faith, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this nation, for our cities and communities, and for the common welfare of us all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For seasonable weather and for the fruitfulness of the earth, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who labor, for those whose work is difficult or dangerous, for all who travel, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all those in need, for the hungry and homeless, for the widowed and orphaned, and for all those in prison, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and dying, and for all those who care for them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For all of those that we know who are suffering, whether it be physically, spiritually, or emotionally, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Finally, for these and for all of our needs of body and soul, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Holy God, our lives are laid open before you. Rescue us from the chaos of sin and through the death of your Son. Bring us healing and make us whole in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that but the patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And we pray. 
together Luther's evening prayer. I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this day. And I pray that you would forgive me all my sins where I have done wrong, and graciously keep me this night. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. The Almighty and merciful Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, bless and preserve us. Please be seated. We sing our closing hymn, In the Cross of Christ I Glory. That's number 427. In the Cross of Christ I Glory, number 427. It has been our pleasure to bring you this worship service from Trinity Lutheran Church in Freistadt, Missouri. We pray that you have benefited spiritually from this service and invite you to worship with the members of Trinity next Sunday morning at 10 a.m. If you are not able to be with us in person, we invite you to join us by means of freistatradio.com or 95.9 KKBL in Monette, Missouri. We commend you to the loving care of our gracious Heavenly Father. May His love surround you and His mercy be evident to you in all things. Your announcer has been Darren Shane.